Welcome to the Rock is George podcast. I'm your host, George Dion, and this is episode 80. Thank you for tuning into the podcast, whether it's through our website, rockisgeorge.com, on our YouTube page, on one of the many streaming podcasting apps, or at theloudest.com on the planet, knac.com. My guests for this episode are Michael Ciotto and Ray Detone. They're two studio musicians who have also been in bands through the years, but they put together a fun little project while they were locked up in their homes over the last year or so. They're calling it Migliori Amici and Company. The EP is entitled Best of Friends, which is the translation of the title of their project. I'll let them tell you a little more about it. Here's Michael Ciotto and Ray Detone of Migliori Amici and Company. If I knew absolutely nothing about Migliori Amici and Company, how would you describe the band's music to me? Kind of prog rock, but a lot of various influences that we've gathered over the years. We just wanted to basically play what we wanted to play. And however it came out, that's what it was. So there's a lot of influences in there. And then plus we wanted to do it with people that we actually like to work with and we're good friends with that we didn't have to, you know, worry about hassles because it's not really, it, it, it's, you know, it's a niche record. You know, it's not, a, it's not for everybody. Michael and I both come from like a severely pop music background in the old sense of the word. Yep. So we like m melody. We like stuff that makes sense, can be beautiful, but also can be, uh, you know, challenging to play and often to listen to. So it was fun to have uh, everybody that we worked with over the years from when we were younger. And we just said, let's grab Alex over here. Let's grab Dave. Let's grab Mark. Let's grab Ralph. All people that we've dealt with in a lot of different bands over the years that we're very good friends with that we knew would do a great job. And they were happy to be on board. and. You can feel it in the music, so everybody's got a good vibe to it. Do you think a project like this would have been possible if it weren't for the suspension of live music and everybody being at home? You know, it, it, I think it, I think it could have been. It's just that it it, it just didn't work out that way. You know, we, maybe we, it wouldn't have come to fruition if we didn't have that happen. It just ended up being that way because we had it like that. And you and Mike uh, have worked together in prior musical ventures, plus, you know, you've sure. crisscrossed each other musically. So how did this particular project come together? Well, I, I think uh, I think I was doing something in the studio. And then, uh, like we said, there was nothing going on. And I said, Ray, you want to come up and play on this thing? And then uh, he came up and did his thing, which was great. And then I said, we both agreed, you know, while we're doing nothing, why don't we just it came out great. So why don't we just do a whole record? You know what I mean? And just grab people that we know and just have them sit in on it. You know, that would do the right thing that would love doing it. And they all did. And kind of came out like that. It was, it was that type of thing. You know, one song led to another song, right. led to our, our other good buddy, Ralph uh, Marigliano. Yep. He brought in a song and it was just like, Ray, can you play guitar on this? And I was like, well, you got a drum machine. Why don't you, bring it to Mike and let Mike do <laughs> drums first. And, and we were all sitting at home. So it's kind of like, right. you know, it's like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And so it's just kind of like friends helping friends out with ideas. And then it just kind of said, well, let's, we've got two songs. Right. Let's, <laughs> let's go back. You know, 
Uh, it was great. Yeah, Ralph's another guy who we've worked with for a hundred years and 10 different bands together, but all close knit circle of friends, you know, that are all great players to our fortune. It only makes sense to to name the EP Best of Friends, which came out right. on September 30th on Vanity Music Group. So why don't we talk a little bit about the songs? Before I get to the to the songs specifically, how does one decide how to give a name to an instrumental? That's the fun part. We, we've been doing this. I've done three instrumental records under my own name. Even then, Mike and I would be on the phone and and we'd be staring at, I remember the one push to open, staring at the remote control on the, on the TV thing in the back said, push to open. It's like, hey, that kind of works. <laughs> the big one, which we weren't sure, but uh, I guess I kind of, I named Six Shit. Because that rhythm, I was actually tapping out on my couch for about two months, just like doing. And we were like, okay. And so I brought it up to Michael finally. And I was playing it. And he goes, no, nah, dude, it's got a groove. And I'm just like, yeah, but it, it does this thing. And he's like, no, nah, but you're just playing it wrong. And I'm just like, no, I think that's the way I want it. And it was just like, well, that's that's sick shit. And it was like, <laughs> yeah. So every time we talked about that particular, it's really only two bars of the song, but every time that would come up, we would refer to it as the sick shit part. So it just seemed like, well, what are we going to call it? I just want to call it sick shit. I went on Amazon HD and I said, you know, there's like about a hundred bands and artists with the word shit in there. So I said, ah, <laughs> fuck it. Call it sick shit. And then on the next album, you're going to have one called fuck it, right? Yeah, there you go. Or you could call it son of a bitch because every time you sent me the song, I'd play it and I go, yeah, that's really, that, that's a great rhythm. And I go to play it and I go, son of a bitch, I can't get this goddamn thing. I hate this friggin' song. <laughs> and then finally I got it and I was like, I love this song. I was like, Once I got it, I was like, God damn it. Uh, also, the video for Sick Shit was debuted on the Children of the World Benefit live stream. Right. I tuned in on October 1st, try to watch it. Uh, it's it was It was fairly long. I couldn't devote that much time to it. I never got to see your video, but what kind of got you involved with the Children of the World benefit? Well, that was through, jeez, um, that's a whole Soho Johnny leather. Well, it's Soho Johnny. I've been doing a lot of work for his record label, mixing stuff, playing guitar. I even produced a track he sang on, but it all came also through somebody that I've done work for, who's, you know, John Velasco who's uh, a, a British manager publicist who goes back to working with Jimmy Webb, General Giant, Black Sabbath. Yes, he's been introducing me into different circles for about 15 years now. And so uh, the latest is, you know, Soho Johnny is Tribeca Records uh, label. I just did a live show, an interview for his Soho, Soho at Night TV show. You know, so it's it's via him and the fact that they uh, they all love me there. <laughs> what can I say? I've done a lot of work for them, and they're good people. They're yeah. really good people. And, uh, and and Soho is he's one of those, uh, I guess, what do you call them, philanthropists? One of those. He's really, you know, he he really cares about the world and people and whatnot. And so that was all done under his. Uh, charity organization and you started to record the album i believe arctic drift was kind of the first one so right. 
if there is a little more to that story, I'd love to hear it. Well, that was kind of the one where I told you that I called them up. I had done something, started on piano, and then I did a drum groove, and I said, Ray, why don't you come up and while you were here, I think that's why you came up, right? It yeah, wasn't it was, for something else. Yeah. And then I played it for him. I, I think I just said, come up and see if you know, what do you want to do guitar-wise? So he did that, and he came up here, and then we said, why don't we just do a whole record, man? Because we always play good together. We played for 100 years together. Can you tell he's Italian? Hey, what? <laughs> But, and uh, from yeah. New York, probably. Yeah. <laughs> New York. But where are you? Where are you located? I'm in Massachusetts. Oh, okay, all cool. Right. Oh, very cool. I don't have one of those Boston accents, though. Oh, that's all right. Okay. My son went to University of Massachusetts. Um, I'm further south. I'm in America's hometown, Plymouth. Oh, cool. All right. Awesome. Right. I heard this nice rock there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if if it's real, there's there's a you know urban legend that it's not. I played a show up there. Uh, and we went to see the rock, uh, I don't know, somewhere, uh, there's a, there's a, a theater, it's not quite a theater, it's almost like a big hall, I don't remember the name of it, 2009, I think, anyway, but it was in the, in the Plymouth. Yeah, it's Memorial Hall, yeah. Memorial, Memorial Hall. Hall. That could be it, actually. Anyway, that was with the Queens of Heart, but anyway, I digress. Uh, you recorded the album at, uh, Michael's Elliptical Sound Studio, I'm assuming that's what you're in now? No, we're actually in Ray's. Uh, he oh. also has a studio, and the keyboard player has a studio, and the other yeah. keyboard player, Alex, has a studio. We kind of all have studios. So I did all the drums at my studio, some of the guitars, but most of the guitars here at Ray's. Uh, a lot of the keyboards at Ralph's, the keyboard player, and then Alex has a studio at his place, and he did keys. And then we all kind of did it there and mixed some of it at my yeah. house, mixed some of it at Ray's. So kind of a whole... Yeah. It was, yeah, the whole COVID thing. That was that was also one of the things that, that we were able to do because we weren't leaving the house. Right. So we were a lot of stuff, especially in the very beginning, uh, which was probably 2019 or 2020. Yeah, uh, like you know, that. when nobody was leaving the house, right. we were, you know, shooting files back and forth. And which is kind of the beauty of technology yeah. now. We can do that, you know. I've been doing that anyway. So now we're doing it, you know. It was out of necessity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Out of necessity, exactly. Yeah. Um, and also to keep us sane because there was no, obviously, no live gigs. To, right, you know, exactly. The industry had shut down. And, but fortunately, you know, and for me in particular, I mean, I worked more during the shutdown than, than ever. I mean, I just, it was just studio work and mixing and just upgraded the studio, took advantage of those uh, EDI, EIDL loan, which I just started <laughs> paying off today, and, you know, upgraded everything and got a lot of mixing work, you know, because of that during, you know, the whole pandemic. But yeah, and I remember the first, the first time I actually went up to Mike's after the Arctic Drift, because that was kind of before that started a little bit before that preceded the pandemic. Right. I think Ralph's son, I think. Ralph, yeah, Ralph's son. And that was basically, we were all on remote. Yeah. Um, but the first time I went, went up to Mike's to, to record again, yeah, I don't remember what we were doing, but it was kind of like, it was foreign. It was like the first time in like, I don't know if it was months or year or whatever it was, it's lost time that I left my house with a guitar, which I would never like, you know, the only, it's like I never left my house without a guitar for one reason or another. Mm. And and then for the last whatever amount of time it was, it was like, 
okay, what am I doing today? I'm going food shopping. Okay. <laughs> um, that was about it. So that was kind of like, all right, finally. And then we were able to include, you know, some other people like, you know, Mark Clark, who doesn't have a studio. You know, he works here a lot. and uh, But he's and always like, out. So it was kind of nice that we had COVID at the time because he was here. So he, and he's willing to play on, he played on two of the songs. Great guy, great bass player. Yeah, we'll be drinking with him after this. Yeah. <laughs> He's actually home for two minutes, not on the road. Back in the 80s, we're in a band called Shattered Glass, and you have a song Correct. on the album called Shattered Glass, which was kind of born uh, out of a session in which the singer didn't show up. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was our instrumental tune in that band. We're more of a pop band, core, sort of like a, what were we? Sort melodic like, rock, melodic you know. Rock, like Survivor kind of type of Bon Jovi's kind of band, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. a little harder-edged singer. But yeah, in that in that whole vein. But we of had what, a couple of those Dream Theory kind of things when the singer doesn't show up. <laughs> yeah, we, we always loved, uh, we always loved players. Right. Yeah, I guess the prog music. I mean, I was a big prog head growing up. That was, that was my thing. But of course, I, you know, mm-hmm. also loved the pop stuff. Right. You know, the songs that just made you, you know, feel, uh, so, you know, I've always tried to combine that in any instrumental compositions, just making it, you know, I wasn't a fan of, um, you know, fusion jazz because it seemed like the melodies were written kind of just so they could get to the solos, you know. So I, I was more of like a Genesis fan where they had epic stories and a lot of different emotions happening in one piece of music, you know, kind of real, you know, Tolkien-esque visuals from a piece of music that's a little more the fusion jazz guy <laughs> <laughs> well the fusion jazz is mainly for the drummer and the bass player right yeah the lenny white stuff i like that a lot of that stuff you know billy Cobb. i was i was a big guy check up for check up for stories i loved all that kind of stuff you know Still, jeff berlin sure yeah, I, I interviewed him a couple weeks ago about his uh his new uh tribute to jack uh, bruce cd oh, okay. pretty cool guy he knows his stuff Oh, yeah, he was great with Bill Bruford at One of a Kind. You know, they did the four Gs. He's known for that song. It's great. Killer, killer player. You guys did a Jason, speaking of great players, you guys did a Jason Becker cover, Images. Ray, you did a cover on a tribute album to Jason Becker. So I assume you you, you took the structure of that and kind of created what appears on the EP. Yeah, it's it's really, you know, kind of the original version, which was never mixed the way i i liked it so we kind of touched it up redid it remixed it and uh, it's it's pretty much you know don't tell anybody it's pretty <laughs> much uh, you know the older version you know dave keys it was also kind of a tribute because he passed away um and he played bass on that um bass player <clears throat> from renaissance killer wayne minkaville he's a great bass player and then adam holzman is a keyboard player on that Plays with uh, Steve Wilson, Fort Pie Tree. Played with Miles Davis for 13 years. Plays with Corporal Washington Jr. Everybody. Kick killer, killer player. Great guy, killer player. All good guys. Everybody on the record is great. All great <laughs> players, all great friends. Really can't say enough about them. Absolutely. And we could take up the whole interview talking about who guest starred on this from Mark <laughs> Clark to Nikki Morak and Adam yep. Holzman and tons Tons of others, and it's great yep. to be able to draw from those friends that you've yeah. previously worked with. 
are these guys all they do they just happen to be local guys like all fellow new yorkers yeah well sort of i mean nikki after after 60 years just moved like a year ago to arkansas ironically enough but he's been one of my best friends since i was 18 years old but he's been he's played with everybody from you name it you know he's played it and he plays guitar but he played bass on one of the tunes but he he's up he was up in my studio every other day you know and ralph we've worked with together for a hundred years and we're very close with we're very close with all the people that are yeah. that we asked to to play you know so it's not like we just got it for this record these are people we still see all the time and still keep in touch with and just they just happen to be phenomenal players and our friends so it worked out to our benefit and they're local i mean actually you know except for nikki moving away yeah everybody's um, pretty, pretty you know close. mark lives about a mile down the road if you go <laughs> another mile that adam holzman lives there right on the same road Alex yeah. is just a little bit up from me. Alex is in Brewster. Ralph yeah. is an hour that way. Well, not even. Not even, no. In a city no. island. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, it's Close. all, uh, well, like I said, most of the, most of this happened re remotely, but everybody is close, you know. You know, so it's like we see each other regardless of, right. you know. If we're playing or not, we're still close friends. You know, you still have a beer without having to do a gig. <laughs> Speaking of gigs, is there a chance that you'll play this EP live at a show or two? Oh, we just started talking about that. Yeah, that's a tough one because, yeah. you know, how to recreate this without the people, the kind of budget you would actually need to pay these type of people or to pay one guy to learn the other guy's part. So <laughs> it's... Yeah, they're not easy parts to like wing, you know. Oh, I get a sub. Uh, I can't sub that. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so it would be, uh, you know, we'd love to do it. And uh, if the opportunity arises that we can actually logistically make it happen, it'd be great. But like, you know, Progfest uh, wouldn't be paying enough to. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the uh, very least, you could do Best of Friends too at some point, right? Yeah, well, definitely. You know, that would definitely happen. Yep. And, uh, Let's hit the time machine a little bit. We'll go back to right around the time of Shattered Glass, where that kind of splintered in the 80s. You guys both went on to be in a couple of uh, what is considered kind of underground hit melodic rock AOR bands. I'm going to start with you, Michael. You moved on to uh, From the Fire, which fantastic correct. debut album, 30 Days and Dirty Nights. Um I have to take credit for that. Oh, you're you're responsible for getting them in it, huh? The project actually was you could call it the Nadine, the stepchild of Drive. She said the bass player from Drive. She said Paul St. James, his girlfriend was doing a demo at Blue Mountain, Jersey, yeah, Jersey Studio, where they were from. And, you know, Paul asked me to play guitar on it. And, you know, we'd all been hanging out and Mike and me have been good friends for so long that, you know, Paul knew Michael. And it was just like, well, you know, you think Michael will play? Yeah, sure, let's bring Michael in. So Michael played drums on the demo. I played guitar, uh, Paul played bass, Nadine played keyboards. Right. And that, and actually Al Fritch from Drive, she said, sang on the demo. Right, he was on the demo. Right, and then I also, when they needed to do whatever, I, I don't even know how it transpired, but I know I wasn't involved with the record. Well, I think but, it was, they went out with Drive, she said. And then I asked Nadine, I said, you know, what are you doing with these songs? 
And she said, oh, nothing really. I said, why don't we do a band? So then they went out. They're not available now. So then I just got other guys. And then we yeah, but of... I brought Joe Kelly. Oh, you did? Okay. I brought Joe brought Kelly Joe. in because I knew him from Broken Toys, but also from Frankie and the, the band that won WAPP Band of the Year. Frank, uh, Frankie and the Knockouts? Is it? Not Frankie no. and the Knockouts. That's where Tico Torres was from. Yeah, yeah no, it was uh, the, the band uh, with uh, Paul Cooper. Uh, it was... Another anyway, band. Another okay. band. But they actually won the, the New York radio station, WAPP's band of whatever they used to do. They used to run a contest. And I know Bon Jovi was actually supposed to win, I think. But then he got signed. And so he couldn't win. And then the, the Frankies. So either way, he got Joe. Yeah. So and then Tommy, I had worked with uh, with this girl, Lorraine Fasora, which was in a band called Heaven. I got him uh, years ago. We played and did her showcases and stuff like that. So that so I ended up grabbing him to do it. So then that's how From the Fire all happened. Then we got signed. We did something at the China Club and got signed, and then went out to California and and then did the record. And Jean Bavois was work. Uh, Tommy was working with Jean Bavois with Voodoo X, and then uh, he got Jean to produce the record. And Pat Reagan engineered it. We ended up doing the record out there in five weeks. We did that. And real did real well in Europe. It did okay here because grunge was coming in and everything. So we were kind of phasing out at the time. The whole hair band was going out. But in Europe, it did very well. So that's the story with that. And then he was with Drive, she said. Before we get away from uh, from the fire, are you still working with them? Because they're, they, they're talking about releasing something. Uh, I did I did a second record at my house. The second record that was done was done at my house. I, I told them for 25 years, Joe didn't want to sing anymore. He had kind of given it up. And then I... Nice. I am. And I, and I said to them, uh, why don't you guys come up and, you know, I have a full-fledged facility, you know, it's not a little studio, it's a big studio. I said, why don't you come up and we'll do another record, it won't cost you anything, we'll see what happens. I convinced Tommy, finally convinced Joe, and then Joe came up and then we worked together for a while and then Joe flew in, I mean, Tommy flew in about a month's worth of time. They stayed at my house and we recorded the whole second record. Did that, did one show in uh, England. We did like a fire fest or something. And then uh, everybody, I just got real busy and I couldn't do another record right away. I told them I can't, I can't drop everything and do another freebie right now. You know, so they just went on and did it themselves in Joe's house with drum machines and, you know, whatever. So yeah, I don't, I don't see anything in the future right now with those guys, but uh, who knows? Ray, my first, the first guest on the Rock is George podcast was Mark Mangold. And he obviously was in Drive, she said, with you and another kind of band that got cult status that uh, I think is still talked about in the melodic rock and ARR world. So if you kind of want to talk about Jump Start and Drive, she said. Well, I had nothing to do with, jump. you know, if you work with Mark Mangold, <laughs> um, you know, you're not jump starting anything. But I, I was basically I was really a hired guy for the for the tours. I did uh, you know two tours with them. I guess 1990, 1992 uh, on the first two records. I might have done a, a few things on the records, but you know it was a plethora of uh, musicians that Mark and Al and Al's a great guitar player was I should you know Al you know Al passed away. What a sweet, what a, he was one of those super talented guys. He, he picked up a, a kazoo. He was like the world's greatest kazoo player. He was retarded. He could 
just play anything, sing anything, do anything. It was like, what the hell? Yeah, so my, that was, you know, I basically, I answered an ad in the Village Voice and that was, that was it. And, uh, you know, but we had a good time. I, I did some stuff with Mark years later, but nothing, you know, nothing ever really serious um, did we ever work on again after that you know but we're still in touch we're both uh you know you know especially with this record i was in touch with him a lot because he's you know he's also a bit of a, a lawyer i mean he's actually got a law degree so you know we touch base stay in, in contact and and he still helps me out with uh with legal advice and and stuff like that from time to time and you know and some musical stuff but but that was yeah that was about it you know it was kind of I was in drive, she said, sort of, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a fun, it was, you know, the tours were fun and, uh, you know, we got to eat curry every night and those cheese, shredded cheese and, uh, pickle sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Besides Migliori, Amici and company, what are you guys currently working on as far as music projects are concerned? Well, I play uh, with Patrick James, too. He's a, a singer-songwriter guy. He's got a lot of hits uh, for other people, and he's had some hits for himself. He was in Four by Fate. He was in um, he was in a band called Pound that had a big hit years ago. So he does he does pretty good. Like, we just played uh, Bethel Woods, the opening for Foreigner and stuff like that. So, you know, he does, just, he does well. does pretty good. That's the side thing. Plus, I'm recording all the time. And How about you, Ray? Uh, well, I do a lot of obviously session work for other people. And like I said, I've been mixing a lot for Tribeca Records and Soho Johnny and a whole bunch of other artists. That's a good job at mixing. <laughs> and, but I also have a project that um, with the Japanese shamisen player and dancers and we're doing, uh, and actually I just had a meeting yesterday that they're talking about funding a show in Vegas with this whole concept of doing dance music dance hits actually it started with the song conga by gloria estefan did and then turning it into um sharing the melody with basically a rock guitar and japanese shamisen with taiko drum and latin percussion and edm and hip-hop beats and uh Japanese traditional folk dancers plus uh, Latin dancers plus you know sword play and acrobatics and so it's it's something that's been kind of brewing for a while and I was supposed to release a, a CD of some of the music but Migliori Amici and company wound up taking I mean, this record was supposed to be out probably uh, almost a year ago, you know, let's say to be nice, January, but with all the backlog and all shipping issues and all, you know, yeah. kind of stuff, we finally got it out there now. This other project is also another project uh, that is, you know, kind of a project of love and art. The Migliori Amici and Company EP Best of Friends is out now. It sounds great. It's it's prog rock. It's Celtic music. It's whatever you guys felt like is what I think. And it's out on Vanity Music Group right now. And I want to thank you both for taking the time to come on the Rock is George podcast. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, George. We 
great meeting you, and yeah. hopefully we'll do this again. Once again, I want to thank Michael Ciotto and Ray Detone of Migliori Amici and Company for coming on the Rock is George podcast. Be sure to check out their latest EP, Best of Friends. You can stream it on your favorite music streaming platform. If you like what you hear, head over to Amazon and buy a copy. Support the artist. For more on Migliori Amici and Company, head over to their Facebook page. It's a rather long address. Facebook.com slash Migliori Amici and Co. Band. I also want to thank Dave Tedder of Head First Entertainment for making this interview possible. You've been great. I've been George Dion. I'll see you again soon.